All right. So I'm here tonight with my resident. What's the word for Star Wars fans? There's no like Trekker version. Right. That's weird, huh? It's just, yeah. And, and it's like one of those things. Are they a Star Wars geek, nerd, or dork? Huh. I guess it depends on social skill. What would you consider yourself? I think Star Wars fan. Okay. <laughs> resident Star Wars fan, Ryan. <laughs> sitting with me to talk today about the new Disney Plus show, The Book of Bubble Fett, Chapter One. Well, I guess he was kind of introduced in the previous show, The Mandalorian, that he was kind of teased. That was his most recent appearance, and it was a little bit more than a tease, because he was in like, I think, three or four episodes in no yeah. small part. At the end of season one of Mandalorian, at some, I don't know if it was the end, but it was the first episode where Fennec was introduced on Tatooine. Yeah. And there's this like last shot off to the side where it's like, who's looking in the shadows? Oh shit, it's fucking Boba Fett, which I mean, unless you paid attention in the prequel movies, you're like, oh, that is the guy that they cloned all the clone troopers was. It's mm -hmm. the same actor. So it's like, well, yeah. that, that has to be, that's, that's freaking Boba Fett. So, right. yeah, right. a lot of fans uh, lost their minds and shit their pants when they saw that. Um, yeah, because he did first tease him with that, um, well, the possibility of him showing up with his armor showing up first. Yes. Which is Yes, because I think that was the, the start of sort of season two when he was on Tatooine. Mm -hmm. He's trying to track down the armor of Boba Fett. Right, um, right. But yeah, Boba's... Boba's. I don't want to talk to him like he's a drink. <clears throat> Mr. Fett. I had that just pop in my head the other day. Someone on his show, like, shooting him with little Boba beads out of a straw. Um, <laughs> he's, as an archetype of a character, he is the very broad archetype of the mysterious badass. Right? So, Darth Maul is in a similar category of the mysterious badass doesn't say a lot you know he's you know he, it's implied the way the camera treats him it's not even necessarily things like someone says oh he's a he's a badass or a notorious bounty hunter it's just just the way the camera treats him it's like oh okay he's yeah. throwing a vibe he's throwing a vibe and he can back it up and the interesting thing is sometimes you should keep it that way. Right. But the mystery of, well, who are they? Can mm -hmm. just totally undercut, right? If you have a really great, and he's an antagonist, not necessarily a villain. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times where you have the mysterious villain and you try to then give them fill in the blanks, bath story, pathos, right? All that sort of stuff. It can take away from that that mystique and i don't know we're gonna see whether or not that happens with boba fett like i mean if you look at what they did with darth maul after the phantom menace with clone wars and rebels uh dave oh god i'm gonna try and say his name right feloni uh feloni fellini feloni uh did an amazing job expanding out that character and not diminishing them yeah. in a really good way. And so 
that in the new continuity is what hopefully we're going to see with Boba Fett. Because um, in the old legacy stuff, one of my friends was sort of commenting the other day is like, they, they kind of have to do the legacy. How did he survive? Because it's, it's the only way he survives is he blows his way out of the Sarlacc pit. Right. And we, we do get that, that scene, but in the legacy books, they had a whole bunch of Boba Fett books. <laughs> I think I read at least three or four of them. And I just recall that he was the sort of grim, dark survivor ruthless character they did not give him a heart of gold anything like that he was a brutal spartan-esque survivor in a harsh underworld and they stuck with that and it worked they did other stuff later i think i brought up last time they had the whole you know uh, what was it the new the, the new threat to the galaxy, the Yokosh Vong, which I'm mispronouncing, right? And they, they changed up the whole status quo. They they did the, the the death of Chewbacca and all other sort of stuff. And at one point, like, they're starting to seed in that Boba Fett is around. And he keeps showing up near Han Solo. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's some bit where... You know, they're evacuating a, a space station or something like that. And Han Solo's got his new non-human buddy. And they're, you know, trying to defend some corridor or something at a junction. And they sort of back up into the junction. And they look, like, over their shoulder because there's more blaster fire. And there's Boba Fett and, like, four or five other Mandalorians that he's training up to sort of resurrect the Mandalorians. And they're not there to fight Han. They're also there fighting off the Yakushvang because basically they just did that version of the Mandalorians as the Klingons where they just love battle. Yeah. And so eh, they kind of like looked over the shoulder at each other and was like, yeah, we're not fighting each other now. Boom, boom, boom. And went back to fighting the threat. And that all that stuff's out the window and I don't miss it. They didn't really do the sort of more deep pathos sort of stuff that we saw at least with, uh, Jin in the Mandalorian, Mando, right? The the sort of backstory there, the more richer stuff that they did with uh, the Clone Wars, where they introduced the Mandalorians and within Rebels as well. So yeah, now they're they're gonna sketch in the blanks. It's like <laughs> George Lucas did the first three movies, and if you're thinking of this as a page, he wrote dead center in the middle of the page a little bit on the left and that's the first movie and then he jumped into the center and drew a little bit in the center of the page and that's return of the empire and then very far on the right side that's return of the jedi and that's all in like the middle fourth of the page and we've been drawing stuff above and below and around that and filling in the gaps ever since and this is one of those places to fill in the gaps like boba fett is a giant sort of blank spot in the continuity he did go in the prequels and give some backstory gave his origin as part of the the clone troopers and a modified clone of his father and they you know did a little flashback to that at the very beginning of him holding his father's helmet after it got lopped off by mace windu well with the movies this would be the first time it's been said that he survived 
the pit, right? Yes, this is the first time that there's been any sort of acknowledgement that he survived. You know, I mean, Mandalorian obviously was like, he's alive, but now right. it's the how, which <laughs> it's going to kind of be, I expect. So let's just talk narrative structure of the first episode. It's a flashback, what's going on now? Flashback, what's going on now? Setup. It's like, oh, we're going to have a slightly more coherent, very blatant, we're having a flashback structure. So with here, they have the, the back to tank as the here's when you're going to have flashbacks, right? I dug that. I dug that. Yeah. yeah, it made it more clear and not as confusing for people watching. And it's interesting because it seems like between where him and Fennec go bye-bye in Mandalorian, I think they even had a tease for the Book of Boba Fett and it's him on Jabba's throne. Yeah. Like that's kind of where we start things in Jabba's palace, him in the back to tank. So there's a new status quo that we have to get caught up on, which right. is going to be all the flashback stuff, mm-hmm. which is him surviving sarlacc pit and blah 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 up to i'm guessing mando and then after he left mando and that's all gonna be back and forth with what's happening in the quote present the i'm in jabba's palace i'm in charge but now he's gonna have to put his foot down it's gonna be interesting because there's like there's always this because this is basically a gangster show right it's a gangster show right it's the good fellas of star wars Right. Or good fella, singular. And there's this whole recurring thing in at least mobster movies of, I want respect. I want respect. And I'm like, no, motherfucker, you want people to fear you. And it's very odd because in his conversation with Fennec, she's telling him, you're being too nice. These right. people need to fucking fear you. Right. Because this is not, hi, I'm the new mayor in town. Let's all get along. It's, I'm the boss, and you're going to give me a cut of your business, whether you want to or not. That's what's happening, right? That is a mob boss. I get a cut of everything that you're doing. Right. Right. Because otherwise, I come down on you like a ton of bricks. Because he even did mention that when the um, the mayor's representative came through and was kind of talking crazy about... You know, instead of him kind of giving his tribute, he's like, well, you know, I'm, you know, the mayor's expecting something. He's like, don't I supposed to be the crime lord? You know, and it's almost saying like, you know, politicians are bigger, <laughs> bigger it's, crime lords than me. <laughs> right. It was very odd because like he's saying to Fennec, like, I, I want to rule with respect like that. OK, that's interesting. But it's like that that doesn't work a what feels like a naive understanding of how the underworld works. Like if a kid was writing the mob boss, be like, no, I want respect. I treat you with respect. You treat me with respect, but you're going to give me 50% of your stuff. Like that doesn't, that doesn't work. At least in mafia lingo, when people say I want to be respected, they want to be feared. Like, that that seems more straightforward than just let no i want to be a respected member of the community like there's a little bit of i want to be looked up to like i'm important and all those sorts of things that's a different type of respect like i don't know it seems it it that was the one part was like 
dude boba you've you've lived as a bounty hunter like that's i mean in the real world it's a bit more legitimate profession but like in star wars it seems very scummy very rough and tumble you hung out in jabba's palace you should know that is not how this works you shouldn't just show up and be like i'm in charge you should respect me like i mean maybe there's stuff in the flashback we've missed he's done things but like i have a feeling a lot of it's gonna have to go now so like all right i'm done be nice i'm gonna fuck you up now and then you're gonna then you're gonna give me my cut now i thought that too when i first saw it first i had to kind of scratch that because while i was thinking now i was thinking like man this this is you know he's kind of he has a different kind of angle but then i started telling myself well actually i don't know how he moves i just know what i've seen in the movies and therefore it might be something else and and another thing that made me think that it might be more to it and more of a strategy is kind of with the flashbacks and other things he was going through like with the long game like because mm-hmm. even when even when um even when she was telling him like you know when finnick was like telling him, like you know now i don't think it's a good idea you should get, get rid of them it's kind of like he followed her when he thought it made sense but when it had something to do with his plan for the long game he had different reasoning and it, it kind of panned out like him saving those Memorians when he said to save them like she was like you know i think it's a bad idea but then they kind of came through for him later on and it just made me feel like he's more of a strategist more so than i would have gave him credit for because when i thought he was just like a straight up bounty hunter you know, usually you would think they'd be kind of like straight line, you know? It's just like, you're in my way or you're part of the situation or whatever. And then also with the flashbacks, when you saw how, when he was trying to escape and then he was gonna try to help the the guy out too. And then the situation where the young Tuscan kid had him up there, you know, digging for water and how he could have overtook that kid the whole time, but didn't, he kind of played it differently. So even when he tried to escape the first time, yeah, because the kid was there and he right. took the kid's stick, right, and he could have just, you yeah. know, kicked the dog and you know bang the kid, but yeah, the kid's not a threat. The kid hasn't done shit to him. Like, right. I think they're showing that Boba has an eternal code, which mm-hmm. like, if we're going to relate to him, that's it's not going to be his heart of gold but it's going to be his honor code that people will be able to attach themselves to because he seems like he is honorable. And I think to the Gamorrean guards, he can see that because the reason he spared them while they're like, no, no, you should kill these fuckers. They're from the old team. But he's like, I'm sorry. They didn't betray Jabba after he died. They stayed loyal. They then went with Bib Fortuna and stayed loyal with him. I'm sensing a trend. Right. I think these guys will be loyal to me. Right, right. Right. And he makes it clear. He's like, if I spare you guys, are you going to swear fealty to me? And they're like, fuck yeah. He's like, all right, cool. And it pays off as we see. Right. And that's the right type of thinking. Right. I thought it was interesting because he definitely have a different style than than Jabba for sure. And then even when he went to town and they wanted to have him on that litter where they just walking him in on a throne. He's like, that's not good. But then also I thought he was kind of trying to trying to get the more of the respecting and more personable side because he probably don't have as big as army as Java. Like Java could really make a threat and really follow through. And since it's just kind of like, you know, him and his number one, how much fear can you give them? And if you do, and if it's ever tested, how can you ever back it up? So I think he's trying to come at it at a different angle because 
really in the situation, would he really be able to handle it if he didn't have more loyalty and respect than he did fear? Because really, you know, even that situation in, in the, um, you know, when they were leaving and they got attacked, you know, it's kind of like he could have got overpowered there, you know, and then yeah. if, if they didn't come back to get him, then he would have been in trouble. So I thought it was just very interesting. Um, like I said, his long game, but. Well, to the long game, this is this is the interesting thing because in part because I was subjected to Disney movies as a way to entertain my kid. Um, but we haven't seen his I want song, right? Disney movies, the characters always like, I want this. And it's usually like, that's not going to make you happy, which is the whole point of the movie. It's like, this right. is what you need. But mm -hmm. sure, that's your I want song. Right. And we haven't seen that. Normally, I think in a more classically structured narrative with no, we're going to have not just this one episode of flashbacks. It's clearly going to be recurring. Right. That's what's going to tell us what his I want is. And it's yeah. probably not going to be to like two thirds of the way through the season where we're going to get to some conversation where he externalizes his I want. Yeah, Fennec yeah. probably knows it because she's probably the person he's going to have that conversation with. Mm -hmm. That's going to be his long game. And then it will explain a bunch of the choices that he's made through the season in the current time yeah. up to the big, you know, last yeah. last third of the season. Yeah. Um, I, I know when I first saw this episode, I was kind of tripping about how simple it was. I was I don't know what I was expecting. I was expecting more. But when I thought about it, I'm like, yeah, this is a good way to unpack him. Because really, no, you know, do we know him? Not really. And I thought the moments of him being, you know, in the chamber, um, regenerating from him having his flashbacks, him, you know, even within his flashbacks, him being taken, you know, taken hostage, even though all those are like quiet moments where the environment told his story. They told how he thought about things, how he strategized, you know, his morals and stuff like that. So I liked how the story unpacked who he was versus somebody just saying, hey, that's him and he does this and this is what he's about and blah, blah, blah. Right. But like you said, Disney Five, where it's all his answers in the song, it kind of let the story tell. So even though the story was simple, it lets you know how he dealt with certain kind of things, even even with him destroying that sand monster and letting the little kid take the credit. Right. And, and knowing and, what that meant. Pretty much. Like, every, I, I liked how like, yes, the kid took the credit and everyone was like, yeah, yeah. Yay! but it's like yeah. the people, the chief of the, the right. Tuscarade was like, yeah, I know what happened. You fucking and, killed the thing. <laughs> right. And that's the only one that really matters how he sees it. And then he offered him the water, which is an ally. Right. You know what I mean? Because he could, he could, if that just like chain this said, fool back up, <laughs> right? Basically, that said, if I could take out that monster, I could take out this kid, and I could have been on my way. But I walked back with right. the kid, so that's saying alliance, a yeah. possible alliance. That, that says respect. Yeah, that he could use and cash in that favor, that respect card later on. That was yeah, dope. The 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 visual storytelling that they did, where he doesn't talk a lot in the flashbacks was done really well they're able to externalize a lot of what's going on they make his choices very clear and that's credit to robert rodriguez 
the director. Yeah. I was like, oh, Mr. Desperado. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. That that tracks. I'm sure he yeah. was like, let me get in on this Star Wars stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I really liked, I don't want to say the quietness or the silence, but the, the lack of talking when he's out mm -hmm. in the desert in the flashbacks. Like the fact yeah. that they're able to convey so much about his choices. Mm -hmm. Like he does talk occasionally, but a lot of it, like you can figure it out from context what they're showing on the screen. So it'll be interesting, like the whole sort of his time with the Tuscan Raiders, because mm. they also haven't been explored very much at all, at least in the new continuity. I think there was some, I think there were some legacy stories. Um, I think there were some legacy stories where like a Jedi actually like, I don't know which timeline as far as like how far back, but like straight up joined the Tuscan Raiders mm. and like, went native as it were and had a son grow up inside that culture and then you know they basically like defended the tuscan raiders from i forget it was like i don't know people that w wanted to kick them out of the desert or some shit like that but they haven't really been explored so i like the fact that they added more detail they added more variation so their adornments on sort of their head and face coverings weren't the standard. They were slightly different. They had variations within the tribe. Hell, the tents were different from the ones that we saw in, uh, what was it, uh, Attack of the Clones when <laughs> Anakin went on a murder rampage. So that'll be an interesting thing to see them explore along with, you know, sort of Boba Fett's journey. But yeah, yeah. The, the funny thing is, is like the episode was fine okay was it great yeah yeah because we don't there's there's not enough meat there there's not enough like i mean this is partly just a very stoic shut off emotional character so we don't have enough emotional meat to really like have a whoo like i mean the fight stuff that the, the ambush that they had was eh, okay eh. i feel like combat has to be absurdly good for me to be like Ooh, yeah that was cool right but they're setting things up like this is i feel like sometimes people put too much on the first episode like it has to be yeah. its own mini movie and it's so, there's nothing that turned me off there's okay. nothing that turned me off I enjoyed it as well, man. I think Robert Rodriguez did a great job directing. You know, he does his thing. John Favreau, his writing was on point. Like I said, I thought it was a simple story, but when I thought about all the work it had to do for a first episode, I think it did a lot considering. We always want the, the big, you know, splash page of action and all this different kind of things, but I think that's coming. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see how they're going to differentiate this from... Uh, the Mandalorian because it's almost kind of like in the same pool in a way even though it is a different character I'm just Very. interested to see how they're gonna you have to make it different in a way where well, you don't obviously know you're watching the same show even though it technically would be right well I think I think Dave Fellini who I'm sure is also heavily involved did a really good job setting up the Mandalorians through the Clone Wars TV show and Rebels again. 
of what they are and it's so so different from who boba fett is and then in mandalorian even mando is sort of an offset of the mandalorians that are like no 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 we're so serious we never take off our masks right right. we never take off our helmets and then when they run into boba fett they're like fuck you you are not a mandalorian like you haven't like you haven't done the rights you don't follow the code like you're just out here wearing our stuff and it's upsetting to us and he's just like i don't fucking care so at least on that level like even within the mando show they already like yeah boba fett you're over there and he and he's clearly going to be having a crime mob boss story as opposed to mando's at least it was lone wolf and cub i assume the child is going to stay off in somewhere else so we'll see what new status quo mando comes back in with but yeah i'm i i really it's so funny i think i saw some people bitching online that because there's this one shot where they're sort of like here's most espa and that's basically where the pod races took place um since i ran a star wars tabletop campaign role-playing game on tatooine for a little while i have that fucking map in my head because they were on that planet for like a while but you don't again that's that's one of the corners on the page that george lucas never showed us like we just like hey mos eisley is a scum bucket of a a smuggler haven does that mean it's the only city well 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 no like is it a town is it a city i mean eh. the fact that we see that shot of mos espa and it's like wow that is a city that is a city in the desert and it's like yeah we're sketching in all these other places so I don't know if people are getting pissed off about that. There was someone else's like, can we have a story that's not on Tatooine? And I was like, oh, I don't care. Like, yeah. then you got to go and establish a whole other planet. And it's like, nope, we're just going to expand this area of detail, this area of detail over on Tatooine. And we're going to tell our story there because people love Tatooine and Jabba and blah, blah, blah. All right, fine, cool. Really interesting to see also just how complex they get into with the underworld there. Because that that is going to be interesting. That isn't really something, certainly not in the new continuity that they've dealt with. In the old continuity, you get protagonists running into basically like other smugglers with a heart of gold type situation. And you sometimes deal with huts, but it's it's always from the outside. Right, it's never a character living, breathing that world and all those connections. So, I don't know. It it might turn out to be a really interesting sort of mob boss story, but we got to see again what uh, Boba Fett's I want is. Does he want to be a mob boss, or is this part of some other plan? Is this a stepping stone? Right. I don't know. It's going to be very weird because, like, again, his, he watches his dad get killed by a fucking Jedi. He's part of the clone program. And then he goes off and becomes a legit monstrous bounty hunter. Has clearly some downtime in Tatooine with the Tusken Raiders. And I'm guessing that's going to be a, quite a while. But it's like, what does this guy want now? Like, I feel like when characters get to a certain 
age in whatever their continuity is they should be thinking about fucking retiring <laughs> like right. Boba Fett's not young like in continuity he is not young like I, I would love oh. if it, in the even in the sequels they just had a version of Luke Leia and Han done tons of shit but they're like nah we're fucking retired like we're gonna send you help but yeah. like my bones creak I'm sorry I, I can't jump on the battlefield with you like let them be mentors so I don't know it's, it's like one of the things like I ask now of older badass characters like why are you not retired why are you not thinking like what is what is Boba Fett's end game right so from the original movies, did you think he was older, or or is he older because the actor's older now and they're on there doing something with the story? No, like in continuity, it tracks that he is old. So, okay, I didn't know that. I was curious about that. Yeah, okay. because it was a was it the Clone Wars that the start of the Clone Wars, he's like twelve or something like that, ten or twelve, right? That's when his dad dies. Then there's, I don't know, three, four year jump to Return of the Jedi. That's when the twins are born. So he's like 15, 16. So then there's a, I don't know, 20, 18 to 20 year jump to New Hope, which is Luke and Leia. And then he shows up in Empire. So he's like maybe mid 30s to, to early 40s my age and i'm feeling it um at the end of like return of the jedi or something like that and this is some vague amount of time afterwards yeah. we don't know right, right. but like and, and i and i think the actor is maybe older than the character a little bit yeah. which oh god i forgot his name he i saw him decades ago in some like new zealand film and fuck that guy's got the chops He's got the goddamn chops. Um, he's also he's, Aquaman's dad. Yeah, he's Aquaman's dad. Like, <laughs> no, I think he's a great actor. And I think, like, I, I want to see his stoicism break, yeah. right? Like, he's he definitely has definitely has the range to be more than just stoic and gruff. Right. So that, that'll be really interesting to see. Um, but yeah. We'll, we'll we'll see where they go with it. I'm I I don't even have any predictions. Like I think he's gonna have to put his fucking foot down on some people's necks. Like that that is just required for him to be in charge of an underworld organization. There's there's no like I just get by on respect. It's like no, you're gonna have to like go into people's casinos and put your throat. Or your, not your throat on their neck. <laughs> your foot on, their, on throat. their throat. Yeah. Like, because that ambush that happened, they knew he was there. Right. Was it because someone else was watching him go to this place and set up the ambush? Or because the person that runs that casino was like, thought, yeah. fucking hit go this fool on him. the way out. Right. Right. Because, like, even I was like, so they did the whole thing was like, hey, do you want us to clean up your helmets? I would have been, thank you, but no, mm -hmm. right? Because this is my armor. I don't know. He was like, sure, okay, we're, we're doing their customs the way they do things, but that's, that's a safety thing. So they fill up their helmets, which means 
when they walk out, they're not going to have their helmets on. Mm -hmm. Now that is either one of two things. That is either a very shrewd strategic decision on the part of that casino owner, or it's the writers and directors being like, for this scene, we want the actors' helmets off so we can see their faces. Right? right? This is always the, right. the thing I notice now with like sci-fi stuff with helmets is like, helmet we either need to give head. an excuse all the time to have the helmets off, or you come up with these weird face coverings that also have lights inside so you can see their faces through the glass at all times, even though it would blind them. Or you do the badass thing and do like Judge Dredd, like the last one, and kept his helmet on the whole time. That That's was commitment, the right though. thing to that do. Is that is freaking commitment. I mean, they did beautiful. it in Mando. They yeah, did it in Mando part, for like 95% of yeah. like his screen they time. They did more of They did more of They did... They did more of him with his helmet on than I thought they would, but that's probably because the actor wasn't at, the character was probably bigger than the actor in a way. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's more iconic than the actor, but um, you know, you know, as people get popular and things like that, then you know that helmet has to come off. There gotta be something going on with the malfunctioning or catches on fire. Or you're <laughs> something, carrying something it, on the screen. carrying a bunch of coins in it. Right, right. Yeah. Right, right, right. So. Yeah, I, I think it's very interesting. I, I'm excited to see what happens with it next. Just because of the way the Mandalorian went, I know this story could start off a certain kind of way and become something else. And like you said, you made a great point about the want and that will dictate where it's going to go. And I, like I said, the way the Mandalorian went, I would never have thought all that stuff would have went down the way it did and how it did. Right. Um, and I'm wondering too, since he has like more of a connection with the Star Wars we know, does that mean he's going to be bumping into characters that we know or more familiar with as well? So that's going to be interesting to see too. And also, do we want them pulled into this? Well, know. this is sort of that complaint of why does everything fucking happen on Tatooine? And it's like, you have a giant, giant, giant galaxy. Like, how do these people keep bumping into each other? And at least if you got someone using the force, like there's an excuse like, oh, I sensed something. I have to go over there and fly down to this, you know, whatever. But I, I, I would guess, at least for the first season, they're going to try and hold off on, let's have another tie-in and another tie-in because they have whole spin-off shows now, right? Ahsoka's going to get her whole show and Thrawn's going to show up there. And like, so I don't know if they want to clutter their playing field because they just right. might want to introduce the local threats and bosses that Boba Fett's going to have to deal with. And I mean, the other thing is we're going to be interested to see what they do with Finnick. Like, because right. you don't waste, you know, when like as a side character, like right. Right. I, I love, I saw this meme that uh, she pulled uh, the fucking Disney hat trick because she's a princess and agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. and a Star Wars character. That's right. That's Mulan. That's Agent May. Mm -hmm. <laughs> fucking that's Calvary. Chung, that's Chung Lee from the Street Fighter movie. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah so I, I think the show's got a lot of potential. We'll have to see how the other episodes go, though. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, I didn't think it was bad. So, would you recommend it to Star Wars enthusiasts? As oh, they're well already as watching it, folks. They're they're already <laughs> watching it. Like, come on. That's like, true. That's true. I'm gonna give it like three or four episodes, probably. Yeah, for sure. 
right? And then I'll be like, eh. One thing I wanted to mention about this episode that I thought was kind of funny when I was watching it, I was thinking like, it's so funny. When Star Trek tried to do a movie, it tried to be grand and epic like Star Wars. And so that's where they went to to try to figure out their movie. And it didn't quite work out, right? You know, it took them a while to really figure it out. Yeah. Or do it in a smooth enough way where you where you don't see how they're trying to do it and they're just kind of they figured out their way. But I, I think they were shooting for that and just you know, it was but it's a whole other kind of movie. One's like a space opera, another one's a whole different kind of perspective on the future. So I thought it was funny watching this, especially when when it came to the sand beast, and I was like, this is straight up a Star Trek episode. Even the music even sounded like it when he was fighting him with the chain around his neck and choking him out. I could swear I heard that. I would not be surprised if Robert Rodriguez was like, "Look, we're gonna do, we're gonna do a on the nose homage here." It was kind of this. It kind of had that music, and it kind of had that that vibe to it. I thought it was just kind of funny. Yeah, and it was funny too because like, like the the CG for that creature was really good, but it also felt like stop motion. Yes. Like, somehow in my it head, like when yeah. it first came up and it's like, oh, it's got four arms. Yeah. But when it came down and used sort of the middle <laughs> arms as front legs to right. like move like a centaur, it felt yeah. very stop motiony. It didn't look bad, didn't look bad, but just somehow in my brain, I was just like old school Harryhausen. Yeah, yeah. And also, and also, what's that movie called? Um, Galaxy Quest. Oh, yeah. It kind of reminded me of. <laughs> It kind of reminded me of that. And it was kind of doing the same thing where it's kind of playing with it. But, you know, so that whole thing with you in the desert fighting a, a monster and, you know, yeah. But it made me laugh. Kind of like, huh, this seems very familiar in a way. And I thought it was pretty, pretty funny how things just kind of borrow from each other, how things just a, a full circle. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, like I said, Star Trek trying to figure out his way as a movie and it was trying to figure it out and just how... Star Wars is doing a thing as a TV show and how it's kind of borrowing from Star Trek. And it's just funny how that that circle of life. Great steal. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, that was my conversation with Ryan. And we we're talking about the new show on Disney Plus, The Book of Bubble Fett, uh, Chapter One. And this was the episode Stranger in a Strange Land. All right. So that was fun um, catching up with you and chatting about it. And I'm looking forward to talking with you on the next episode. Yeah, no, it should be fun. I'm curious to see what the next title is going to be. Stranger in a Strange Land. Like, what do you think of that, that title? So, I mean, it's a book title. Like, oh. that it's a very famous book. That's a Robert Heinlein book, and it's about basically, jeez, oh, they send some astronauts to Mars, and they kind of lose contact with them, and then they send some follow-up astronauts to Mars. And it turns out that most of the other astronauts died, but some of them, one of them had a kid and the kid was raised by the Martians, like underground, unbeknownst to anyone else. And then they're like, all right, cool, cool, cool. Why don't you come with us? And they come back to earth. And it's sort of his, his experience as a stranger in a strange land. This inspired so much other stuff and for its day it was wild and outlandish right and very very progressive so if you read it in that sense like oh oh okay for the 60s america 
this is almost transgressive like it's almost too far so it was like the title was like stranger in strange land what what like like that like that doesn't that track that doesn't track but but i mean it works like i i don't think they were trying to make that connection but it is sort of he's the outsider yeah, and he's kind of so, getting raised by the, the, I guess, since he's, you know, captured by him, by the Tuscans. I don't know how long he stays with them, but maybe they dictate how, how he kind of moves. It's going to be interesting to see, because the Tuscan Raiders, yes, they are Raiders, but they're basically sort of displaced. They're almost kind of like the Fremen in a way, right? The okay. desert is theirs they raid when they don't have enough to survive so they can be seen as very underdog-esque like so there could be a part of him where he's like oh maybe that's part of his want is that he's gaining control of the underworld so he can get the underworld to stop fucking with the tuscan raiders boom there's my prediction (laughs) Okay. All right. You pulled it. <laughs> we'll see. I dig it. I dig it. All right, man. <laughs> Damn. That was good. I mean, it tracks, right? Yeah. Like if, because he does have, you can see him as having a lot of respect for their resilience as a yeah. fellow survivor. Right. They haven't shown necessarily him any dishonor, right? Okay. He has not shown them any dishonor. He's shown restraint. Right. right. So there can be a lot of mutual respect there. And depending on how far that goes, he might go somewhat dances with wolves and be like, all right, so I can go native or I can go back into the world and then from the world try to give you space to exist i just have to become underworld boss i mean that would be interesting that would be an interesting angle yeah we shall see my friend we shall see all right well it's good catching up with you ryan until next time This is Jay, and I hope you're enjoying the conversation so far. I just want to let you know that this conversation is part of a larger conversation that continues on the next episode. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Jay. If you enjoyed my conversation with Ryan, please check out our episodes where we talked about the book of Boba Fett. Spider-Man No Way Home, and the movie Batman. Thanks for listening, and until next time, peace.